We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Bay. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. Jack, and we are talking about the Nets' first one of the season over the Hornets, 133-121. How are we doing? Nick is back, and the Nets got a win. Yes, happy to be here. Recorded that first pod. Didn't even matter, because this is about a win. The Nets looked good these last three games, and it's nice to actually see it come to fruition in the win-loss column. And they took care of business. wasn't necessarily a perfect game, but definitely some flashes and some really good stuff, especially in that first quarter. We're going to jump to that and plenty more. Make sure you check the buzz on all streaming platforms. But, Jack, where do you want to start? I guess I'll up. Cam Thomas, I was going to ask you about the first first quarter, Nick, but I'm like, nah, let's get to this absolutely special, unique young kid. The second player ever, I believe, to have three straight 30-point games uh, for a person 21 or under or in his third season. i, I got to double-check that. I'll find uh, that and, and redact myself and make myself sound a bit smarter. But, like, how good is this kid, Nick? Yeah, Cam was awesome in this game. And I think the real progress we're seeing from Cam is just the consistent attack getting downhill, getting in the paint and getting to the free throw line, you know, just a combination of those things. And that's what really gives you a ton of confidence that this is going to be a consistent thing across the season. You know, obviously he's probably not going to shoot over 55% and average 30 a game, but he's even on the nights where his shot is off, he should still be able to consistently produce because of the free throw attempts, because of the attempts in the paint and just really understanding how to play NBA offense. And I think, you know, obviously he came into the league as a bucket getter, but I think he's really progressed mentally and understanding where he can create an advantage in the NBA all the time. Like one thing that stuck out to me in this game for Cam Thomas, anytime he saw Terry Rozier on him one-on-one, -on -one, he knew that he could kind of put him on his hip on his shoulder and get that edge to the rim and get an easy bucket. And he did that three to four times in this game. Yeah. The best players just know how to find their spots and, and they take the freebies and they do. And they, they have a lot of spots. Cam Thomas can score from, so many different positions on the court. He's so freaking talented and his offensive bag is so deep. As you alluded to, the free throw numbers continue to just be out of this world. What is he averaging? Something like 10 free throw attempts per game? Like, yeah. I think it's something like that. And that is what the best players do. We've spoken about what makes the, the good players very good and the very good players great is the three-level scorer. You know, efficiency from the field, efficiency from three. And he's not even showing efficiency from three yet. And But he has that. We know he's got that in his game. 
So if that three ball starts to come around, dear Lord, he's going to be even scarier. And that's saying something. Yeah, it really is. And I think also as the season progresses, you know, teams are going to adapt a little bit more and then you're going to see probably more playmaking from Cam. You know, the assist numbers really shoot up. But you saw even tonight where he only did have two assists, but he had some hockey assists. Like he was generating offense and creating things and getting things moving and really being, you know, one of the offensive engines of this team. You know, him and Ben Simmons early in this game, it just felt like they were getting downhill. They were attacking. They were getting the paint. They were either getting layups or easy buckets or kicking out and getting, you know, the part to moving for this team and really creating for others and creating advantages. Yeah, the combination of those two has just been really fun this season in terms of the imprint that they've had on the Nets' identity. And another thing on Cam is like there are a lot of points in the game where the Nets just there's scrambling defenses and they just need to get an advantage. There was just a play, I think, in like the second quarter where the ball gets fizzed around a little bit and it's just like, oh, let's get the ball in the Cam's hands. It's like six seconds left on the clock and Cam gets the free throw line. Like, that's just something that the best players do. And I'm look, it's three games in, and I don't want to be totally hyperbolic yet, but he's got to be right up there in the most improved player race. He's got to be right up there. He'd be in number one in like, most improved player by far right now. I think I'm not sure it's really close. This is a guy Tyrese Maxey would probably like say something there, but the general NBA but, media already. I mean, but him. think about it this way though, Jack. He went from a guy that's like not even fully in the rotation for his team last year into being their star lead player. Tyrese Maxey is great, but he went from guys pr predicted to be an all-star kind of moving forward to now becoming that all-star cam just like skip multiple steps and a lot of that's not his own fault but just in the actual context of the situation it's crazy to go from inconsistent bench role to leading star of a team and i don't think it's just fans opinions i think watching this game in the fourth quarter and as you mentioned you know when they needed a bucket ben simmons mikhail bridges they're throwing the ball back to cam thomas and they're saying go cook yeah, and look, I agree with you because in terms of most improved player, it's a guy that shows consistency and growth in his game. Like Tyrese Maxey's getting that because of the absence of James Harden. Cam Thomas is getting that because he's now being given opportunities by our coach, which is great to see. Like I, I, we said the other day in, in our pod that we had to unfortunately end that Cam Thomas you know, wasn't getting enough minutes. He should have been out there for those extra minutes, et cetera, et cetera. Tonight he played 38 minutes. That's like, and he was like, you know, he was tired, Jacques Plon said in, in game one. Now he's showing the reps and the consistency and the efficiency and all the skills and all the attributes you want from, you know, the lead offensive player. And that's what he is right now. And yeah, I think I said, we said in a lot of season previews pertaining to Cam Thomas and the team overall that, you know, we'd be happy if the Nets, you know, didn't necessarily make and strike massive strides in terms of win-loss and finish with a fifth seed or sixth seed. But if you were shown growth from the likes of Cam Thomas, that's been the key thing this season. Like for any Nets fan and any NBA fan anywhere, the key takeaway from the Nets start to the season is that Cam Thomas, better than Jalen Green in that same draft, which is wild yeah. to say pick 27 compared to pick two. And that stat that I was alluding to earlier, Nick, I did find. Cam Thomas is the second youngest player to score 30 points in each of his team's first three games. The youngest was Shaquille O'Neal. Like, he was sharing stats with LeBron James. He was sharing stats with, you know, Michael Jordan. He's sharing stats with Shaquille O'Neal. Cam Thomas, ladies and gentlemen. Like, the superlatives, we could speak for ages and ages and ages about this guy and not get tired. Yeah, I mean, he's 22 years old. I think that's also kind of ridiculous. If the Nets manage this right and you know, the relationship maintains, this is a star on your team for the long term. And I, I don't know, you know, how great Cam is going to be, but 
to start the way he has started really sets the ceiling super high. You know, and this isn't just a one-time thing. We know what he did post-All-Star break or pre-All-Star break when all the guys were traded and he had those three straight games of 40. It's like the scoring is definitely there, and I think he's starting to pick up on the other things. And just being okay in other areas when you're so elite at one skill is good enough. Yeah, and I think I made like a tweet the other day. I'm like, oh, is he ceiling like Jordan Poole, Jordan Clark sort of type? I'm like, I was being way too, you know, uh, like rational with my sort of thoughts. Like this guy could be, you know, a one, two, maybe not a one, but like a lead guard on a good team. And that's so hard to sort of say. Like he's overtaken Mikael Bridges as our best offensive player. Like yeah. we can have a chat about Mikel maybe. I mean, you could bit. argue he's the best player on the Nets, you know, you know, just based off of this three game sample of the season, you know, he's the best player. He's just produced that much, you know, will it maintain over the course of the year? I'm sure. Will Mikel kind of get back on track and be that two way threat? I'm sure. And that was kind of a question mark from Mikel coming into the season. And, you know, with Cam being so young and really just waiting out the opportunity, there was a question for him too. And, you know, we're not going to get answers of the whole season in three games, but we can start to kind of form some type of opinion. Yeah. And as I sort of alluded to on the the Mavis recap, his defense is start. He's actually starting to show some really heady defensive plays. Like tonight, like you showed a couple of nice post plays. You know, obviously his off ball defense, you know, leaves a little bit to be desired, but I still think he's even improving there. Like there is effort and engagement. Like, and that's like half the battle. Like he's sort of like James Harden when he was at his best. Like he was just a good, sturdy enough defender. And Cam is that. Like he was like defending Luca really well the other night. Like really well the other night. And he had some nice plays on Terry Rogier tonight as well as some others. So the fact that he's making gains in pronounced areas of weakness and you alluded to the passing the playmaking like he's just what we said of him in the past when we had our question marks about him was does he make the right decisions all the time like he kind of does and like he makes and does he improve the shot diet and i think that's drastically improved at least in the course of these three games absolutely like uh, look we could continue to speak about cam thomas nick but should we move on i got one more thing and i i've for, uh, forgive me, but someone on one of our mailbags, I think it was our last mailbag, said, you know, what's the net ceiling if Cam Thomas averages 25 to 30 points a game? Oh, my God. I forgot about that. That was, so, And, I, was, and I've thought like, about that question about three times. Every game this season, I've thought about that question. Oh, man, I need to go check my tweets because uh, I threw that one out there. So if you, if you were the listener that did throw that one out there, hit me, myself, or Nick up uh, in the DMs, and we'll be sure to shout you out on the next episode of The Buzz because – yeah, we're now seeing that. Like it, it's it's pretty crazy. We were we were me personally, maybe you less so, but we've always been so high on Cam. But even you and I were dismissive of that. Well, like, oh, twenty five yeah. points a game. He's averaging thirty a game right now on ridiculous and, efficiency. And like as I alluded to, like the three ball hasn't even come around yet. Yeah. Imagine when he starts to shoot like thirty five percent from three. It's almost like he's playing like Luca a little bit in terms of like just scoring so effortlessly and easily from so many parts of the floor and then hitting the three balls like occasionally when it starts to matter a little bit but man this is a hell of a ride and I'm enjoying every minute of it Cam Thomas ladies and gentlemen Killer Cam Chef Cam give him all the nicknames just make sure they're good ones because this kid deserves it yeah I think I want to go to Ben Simmons next because I really like the way he started this game what did you like about it Nick it seemed to me that he was playing with a force, a purpose, aggression, a mentality that I had reservations about in different little games. I saw in glimpses in that Mavs game. I, I know you did too. 
what did we see? Did we see him continue to build upon that tonight? Yeah, I think build upon it. And like, honestly, an opinion I had about Ben Simmons when he was Philadelphia was like, sometimes he didn't show up for the big games, but he really crushed a lot of the bad teams. And it feels like he just came into this game super confident, playing like very free flowing and looking to get downhill and attack and really didn't feel intimidated or like pressure from the Hornets defense. He was just kind of playing his game. And obviously it helped that the Nets started well defensively and allowed him to kind of get going in transition. And he had a couple really nice connections with Spencer doing in transition. You know, one was an easy layup. One was Spencer kind of making another pass and kicking into the corner for a three. So I think you're just starting to see the flow, the confidence, the athleticism, and kind of what Ben can be if he's getting downhill and also not playing with another guy that clogs the floor. And, you know, obviously that's, it's not a shot at Nick Claxton. It's just a fact of information. Two non-shooters and one of them being Ben, ben Simmons is really tough. Yeah, it's just the nature of this construction of this team in its present moment without Nick Claxton. The two players that stuck out to me, Nick, was the touchdown pass, yep. which was just a dime and a half. It's like Kevin Love-esque. And well, then you know what drive... makes that pass? Sorry to cut you off, Jack. That makes that pass Go, more impressive. It's like literally like an NFL quarterback that's on a scramble drill pointing to the receiver to go down field as Ben is getting that rebound. He's pointing to Spencer Dinwiddie to go, go, go and, you know, make the heady play and they connect on the pass. And I thought that was really interesting and a kind of a build of a connection and chemistry between the two. Yeah. It's like Jokic, Harden, LeBron, Kevin Love. There aren't many players in the NBA that can do that, but Ben is one of them. And the second play that stuck out to me as well, Nick, was that really purposeful aggressive drive on jt saw where he finished you know with the he went with his right you would have liked him to sort of finish with his left but he got to the free throw line it just showed him like you know what i'm going to take this guy and that play to me was indicative of the big question we had and so many others had around ben simmons on is he going to be afraid to get to the free throw line i think tonight might have been you know the first second third or fourth time like he had got to the free throw line a lot this season but that play alone fills you with a bit of confidence going forward. Now, again, against the Charlotte Hornets, is he going to be doing against the Bucks, the Celtics, you know, the Heat, you know, a lot of other teams going forward, hopefully. But this was the culmination of, of everything we saw in the preseason and like the defensive plays that he's showing. He's like all defense caliber. Like he's continuing that. But now the offense is starting to tick. He's like passing has always been there. But the ability to like just you know just drive a little bit just he should be like a walking triple double and he he pretty much is you know he should be every single night and they just he's a very talented player the offense is one thing we're going to keep watching and tonight was a step in the right direction yeah he did enough for a triple double tonight you know I think there was a couple wide open threes that were missed by like Royce O'Neal and even a couple by Dorian Finney Smith obviously Dorian Finney Smith hit a lot as is but still Ben really just kind of playing that level and Jack like you said hasn't shot a lot of free throws you know tonight was the first two free throw attempts of the season so progress in that area and I think on that specific play you just look at him kind of being relentless and getting downhill and being like I'm going to attack the rim and get a shot in the paint and then we also saw him shoot one of his like push shot floater things that actually went down this time so progress for Ben is definitely something in you know him and Cam leading the offense in terms of the ball handling and creation has really shown some nice progress especially with the spacing there we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I think Mikael Bridges had his best game of the season tonight, Nick. Like the efficiency looks pretty good. 10 of 13 from the field. Only one of three from three. Did rebound the ball well. Had four assists. Had a seal. Had a block. But the five turners is what sticks out. Now, look, I put something on Twitter in jest about who has a worse hand on Mikael Bridges or Jalen Brown. It was a key focus point. It's just like when we were talking about all our previous stuff and we're seeing certain things come to fruition or not come to fruition, Mikael Bridges' handle is going to be the key differentiating point between him being like closer to Paul George or closer to Chris Middleton. Yeah. And I think not only is it the handle, but it's also the way he kind of gets pushed off of his spot. Sometimes like he gets physically moved and it just doesn't allow him to get comfortable. And obviously something we're familiar to see we've seen with Kevin Durant and, you know, in the postseason against Boston always sticks out. And I think at times you just see guys kind of almost play through Mikel Bridges and with his handles, not being crispy, that's an issue. And I think that's just going to be an area he needs to work on. I don't know if he needs to get stronger and didn't really have that opportunity playing with team USA and, you know, having that different type of workload, but definitely something that has to be addressed. If he's going to take on a bigger offensive load and more of a creating load, if not, he'll be more of that third, third player on a championship team. That's more so complimentary offensively and more impactful, maybe defensively. And I think defensively this season, he's been really good and probably has shown kind of more highlight plays. And it feels like these three game, three games and like the last month with the Nets last year. Yeah. The block that he had was, you know, a pretty great one. Yeah. Like he was out the perimeter having to guard, move through screens, uh, like a, a 10, 50 miles an hour, however quick he was. And he gets down low and like, he's a special defensive player. We didn't see that because the offense was the key point. We saw in the latter points of, of the year in, you know, those final sort of 20, 30 games, but it seems to me like the defense has come back and the offense has sort of been sacrificed a little bit in that regard. But 
you know, you sort of take it at the end of the day because Cam Thomas is the offensive focal point. And you know, if Mikel can be the sort of secondary guy next to that and sort of find his footing in that role, then I think it'll be fine because he does need to clean things up a little bit. Just maybe more secondary actions for him where he doesn't have to dribble the basketball up, more catch and shoot sort of stuff, more working off of handoffs with Ben, those sort of different things. So yeah, he has some things to work on, but this is a pretty positive game for him. And he's had an okay start to the year. We just have higher expectations of him given what we saw uh, at the latter points of last year. So really positive moments from Mikel tonight, especially defensively. It's the reason why the Nets are looking so good on offense because they're generating like a lot in the fast breaking in transition. And that was a big you know, focal point of theirs. So look, he's leading the way in a, in a, in a lot of different aspects. Hopefully he can work out the kinks a little bit too. Yeah, I think if you erased what he did with the Nets at the end of last season after the trade and he had just started the year right now, you would probably be like, you know, this is pretty good. This is solid. I'm pretty happy with this. It's just the fact that he played at such a great level to end last season that you're expecting maybe him to, you know, play a little bit better. But again, the efficiency was really good tonight. He missed three shots in this game, you know, in terms of field goal attempts. So like he's still doing his thing. And like you talked about the defensive plays. And I think we're going to see some of the bigger explosions from him in other matchups where they you know they talked about it in the preseason there wasn't really much of a focus on getting looks from Mikhail. well now they can incorporate a couple more plays that get him the ball and more open space without the defender already breathing down his neck and that's when he's at his best when he has that one step advantage already created because he can utilize his long strides his long wingspan and you know kind of get you know use that length around the rim yeah and also i think Nick, what I haven't seen from him, he he hasn't been getting to the line as much. Yeah. And that's sort of like one thing we were so big on and so high on with him. Like he was just drawing contact, using his sort of frame in a more positive fashion rather than the negative that you sort of alluded to. So if he can start just getting some easy buckets, like just get down low, throw the arms up, you know, get a bit tighter with that handle, a bit more confident with it, get in the right sort of spots, then you know, he'll find some easier opportunities and build that rhythm offensively but nick am i wrong or should we take a, uh, talk about lonnie walker next because yeah man i love this guy spencer doing you know does not play in the second half of this game has a, i believe a left ankle sprain comes out lonnie walker starts in that third quarter and he started to heat up a little bit in that second quarter but in the third and fourth you really saw some of the excitement of Lonnie Walker with just getting downhill, attacking the rim and just, you know, you give him a step, he's going to take advantage of it and get down there and get to the free throw line as well. It's just nice to have another guy that can put the ball on the floor and attack the rim and create rim pressure. And last year at the end of the season, after the trades, we were just screaming, there's like no rim pressure on this team. And now the Nets have potentially multiple options in that area. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Look, Lonnie is showing so much offensively, like 19 points in 29 minutes, six to 13 from the field, three to seven from three. Like he's a gunner there right now. Four or six from the free throw line. Also had four assists to go with five rebounds, a steal and a block. We, I think, I can't remember who it was that put it out on Twitter, but it's like they were talking about the comparison between Patty Mills, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, and what Lonnie Walker is. And it's just the depth in offensive talent that this guy has, the athletic burst and you know, just how he fits this identity of this new Nets team. Like, he's just got talent upon talent. He can just find his spot. His pace and speed is just so noticeable and so impactful. I love everything that he's done for this team, and I want him to continue to get extended time. I want Spencer Dimity to be healthy as well, and at the same time, Lonnie getting those minutes. But, yeah, outside of, you know, Cam Thomas, 
you can make a credible argument that Lonnie Walker has been maybe the second best player for the Nets this year in terms of his impact per minute when he's out there on the floor. Like, it feels like whenever he's out there, like, plus minus, like, what what was he tonight? Plus 11. Like, outside of Spencer Dimwoody, who only played 13 minutes in that sort of first quarter and and a bit where the Nets looked really hot, like, Lonnie's just out there and and he's just making stuff happen on on both ends, and, and it feels like. Yeah, he was good. He just has that burst and he's a talented player. And I think there's more to his game. We talked about, you know, in the offseason, the three-point shot, you know, continuing to find consistency there is going to be huge because he's so fluid with the ball in his hands and attacking the rim. So it's just kind of about the other areas of his game to kind of continue to excel. And I think Dennis Smith Jr.'s minutes have to probably come down when everyone's healthy and you give those minutes to Lonnie Walker. And I think also... Ideally, you know, Jock Vaughn looks at getting Cam Thomas in the starting lineup and moving Spencer Dinwiddie to the bench. I think that's pretty obvious after the first three games of the season. Also, the way that he handled rotations in this game a little bit, you know, Spencer, I believe, was the first sub out, and then he came in and managed the second unit. So maybe that's some foreshadowing for something that would be really effective for Jacques Vaughn. Yeah, it's... Look, Cam's made that known. Like, yeah, he, he's gonna, he's got that spot. And if we don't see that going forward, then you know, something's happening. And like Jacques Vaughn, I think said post game, he's like, Cam Thomas is is earning the trust of his teammates. And I sort of responded, yeah, hopefully he's earning your trust too. Um, just because you know, I just wanted to throw a little bit of shade out there. But in general, some improvement from Jacques Vaughn. I don't think he really had to coach that well. You know, I think there might have been times where he probably could have called some timeouts earlier when the Nets, you know, were giving up easy possessions, you know, some turnovers from Mikael Bridges here or there, but overall, you take this win any day of the week and shooting nearly over 56% from the field, taking 32 free throws, you know, did they win the rebounding battle? They won the rebounding battle again. Like, it's just, and again, the Nets have been rebounding the the ball well this season against teams like the Mavs, like the Hornets. You know, you sort of like the Cavs without Jared Allen. You read into that what you will. I think it's certainly an improvement, but I think the nature of the opponent has something to to play as well. But what else did you see? I feel like Nick in in years past, though, a Hornets team that even though they're not huge, would have found a way to get a ton of offensive boards just because of their like young and athletic. But now the Nets are long and athletic themselves, so that's definitely helped. And I think also just defensively, they've been substantially more locked in. It's also kind of some of the personnel they have. You know, you brought up you know someone posting about Seth Curry and Joe Harris and Patty Mills. Those guys are all small, not athletic, and not really feisty when it comes to grabbing boards and replacing them with guys that are just bigger, stronger, and faster is going to help you in almost every area of basketball other than maybe shooting. So I think that's kind of a decision the Nets made in the offseason. But talking about a guy that provides, you know, toughness, physicality, and length, and rebounding, and defense, Dorian Finney-Smith had a huge game tonight, 19 points, 7 of 12 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3, 7 rebounds, 1 assist, 1 steal, 2 blocks. Just was very impactful out there, and he just looked more comfortable shooting the three ball this season. You know, I don't know if that's the finger or just being in Brooklyn now. I think it might be. Yeah, a new year. I, I think I think it might be, Nick. Now, you know, in the preseason, I was, I think maybe when some recaps, I was a bit rash to sort of go, oh, DFS, why didn't we trade him beforehand? But now he's, like, this guy is just one of the premier role players in the NBA at what he does. And playing that small ball five uh, in, in extended stretches with Ben and, and such, like, he just fits there. And he's been rebounding the ball really well this year. You know, as you alluded to, filling up the box score, the three ball is the, is the key differentiating point. And look how long he'll be on 
in a in a Nets uniform remains to be seen. But if he keeps playing this well, the Nets will want to keep him around for for extended stretches, or at the very least, he's building that trade value very very nicely. But overall, a wonderful game from Dorian Finney-Smith, and exactly what you want from your prototypical three and D role player. Yeah. Uh, and that's pretty much it. And I think obviously his contract's really nice. So that's something to kind of think about in terms of keeping him trade market, whatever it is. Uh, in terms of other guys that played, um, Spencer Dewey, like I mentioned, left this game. I think there was a couple times though where when he was in that he needed to pull the trigger on some catch and shoot three opportunities. Royce O'Neal was solid. You know, he had a couple threes go halfway down and pop out. You know, if he knocks those down, we might be talking about even a bigger blowout in this one. And Dayron Sharp had some really good moments early in this game, but in the second half, you saw some of his deficiencies and just some of the mistakes. And I think some of it was just allowing the frustration of his foul trouble to impact his play. Yeah, it's the dichotomy, the good and the bad, the the yin and the yang of of the Daron Sharp experience. But yeah, get those moments here or there. Maybe, you know, if Clax isn't back soon, maybe you give some of those minutes to Watford or Giles. I, I certainly wouldn't hesitate if I was. And no Clax Wednesday, to... so. Yeah, so I want to see one of Giles or Watford out there. Just see what they can provide as a a different sort of point with their different uh, skill sets. You know, we've spoken about them at length and at different points throughout the preseason. They've certainly had their moments. So I think they've earned, you know, the the right to be given some form of, you know, production and, and the chance to showcase their skills. We might see it against uh, the Heat. So any other notes from this game overall, Nick, or just about the season over the first three games? Yeah, I mean, uh, just a quick note on Dennis Smith Jr. I think you still see, you know, his lack of three-point shot and the impact that has. Obviously, as a defender, though, he's extremely impactful and really a disruptor. So I think finding minutes and stints for him is okay, but I wouldn't depend on him for like a big rotation count just because of the shortcomings offensively. And like the Nets have had some really good moments offensively, but bad spacing can ruin all that very quickly. And like you said, if Spencer Dinwiddie is out Wednesday, I wouldn't be surprised to see Trenton Watford a little bit just to give the Nets a little bit more ball handling, offensive creation, and, you know, with Spencer being out, who's played a lot with that second unit. Yeah, because what we saw from him in the preseason, he was playing out there with like a heap of other bigs and he was like a lead ball handler. So whether it's Watford, whether it's Giles, whether it's both, like personally, I would relegate Darren Sharp, give 10 minutes to Harry Giles here or there, maybe limit the minutes of Dennis Smith Jr. and give Watford a go too. You know, I, I want to see the the different points that those guys can provide. Maybe you go 10 deep. And I think that we spoke about the depth of this team and how could it could be a positive or a negative. I think it's been positive, you know, in the absence of two of our four best players in Cam Johnson, who we heard today as well. It's going to be out for an extended period after the MRI I revealed a strain. So that's going to be disappointing. The the calf strain, I believe it is. We'll have him out for a little bit. So hopefully it's not a another Joe Harris sort of thing. And hopefully he does get that right. But yeah, the Nets thankfully have plenty of guys in reserve and this is a good team, Nick. Like watching this team play basketball, like anecdotally, there's just a a style and impact, this two way sort of play. There's just talent, depth, and they play good ball. Yeah, and they really do. And there's just a lot of good NBA players in this team. And, you know, do they have enough star pop? Is there really that true star in this team? You know, Cam Thomas is trying to prove to be that guy. It's going to be interesting how it all kind of plays out. But like you said, hopefully Cam Johnson's healthy. But one note on Daron Sharp, I feel like he's notoriously played well against the Miami Heat. So maybe give him minutes in that game. Let him cook a little bit. Yeah, that final preseason game yeah. I think you might be alluding to there was the sort and of And then like, there was oh, a yeah. matchup with Kyrie in which he played them. I think he played really well. I want to say yep. 
and that was when he February. wasn't even getting minutes. Yeah. So look, hopefully that does pan out for day one, and, and maybe he does show out, and uh, doesn't allow the, the likes of Harry Giles or Montreal we'll Watford to get some minutes out there. But remains to be seen. Hopefully the Nets go back to five hundred in that game. Nick, any final thoughts? No, I think they're playing good basketball, and like we've talked about, and like you've talked about in the pods, you know they easily could probably be three and zero, two and one. You feel good about the product they've put on the floor, especially for a newish type of team and gotten and some key guys really missing. So hopefully it plays out really well. The Nets grab a win against the Heat and continue to build that momentum. But Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks for re-listening. Check the buzz on all streaming platforms. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.